Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, Bickley Blast. I don't like teases like Shaq showing up in Phoenix and promising multiple championships or Jason Kidd doing the same after Penny Hardaway arrived or B.A. telling the Cardinals, we're playing for Super Bowl rings, baby. That's just a Super Bowl. Which is why I'm conflicted about the Cardinals' upcoming interview with Sean Payton because I believe the Cardinals had punted on that opportunity the moment they hired Monty Austin for it. And a lot of people assume that Michael Bidwill was tapped out after buying a plane, a new TV for the stadium, and eating the contract for a head coach who is now learning Thailand custom where people actually meow anytime anyone breaks a plate. I'm not kidding. It's like they all want to blame the cat. Anyway, we all kind of shut the book on Peyton, didn't we? And to interview Peyton now is to resuscitate all that previous excitement. Would the Cardinals do that just for show, knowing they're letting us down all over again? And would Peyton really be wasting his time if he already had the money he wants awaiting him in Denver, as many, including Peter King, have claimed. And at a time when the Cardinals seem to be honing in on a defensive-minded head coach like Dan Quinn, Brian Flores, and D'Amico Ryans, all of whom would seem to be pretty good options, Peyton is an offensive-minded head coach who would be in Kyler Murray's headset and that was considered a flaw in the system under Cliff Kingsbury. The difference is, Peyton would also be in Murray's face. And Peyton is also a guy who truly knows what he's doing. So there's that. Anyway, their official interview on Thursday has got me strangely hopeful because I don't know what the point might be if a window wasn't still somehow wonderfully, miraculously open. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable. You can also find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. Oh, no, Dina, Jack can't talk Thai. Jack talked Thai very well. <laughs> Does Cliff talk Thai? Yeah, yeah. Very well. There's a lot of uh, interesting customs in Thailand. Apparently, you can't get your hair cut on Wednesday. That's only for the royals. Really? Uh-huh. So, so, dude, if you need so like, to get if you need to get George Brett, George, George Brett can get a third. <laughs> John Mayberry, right. Frank White, Freddie Puttack. Um, split off. We'll get back into the coaching thing in a second. Can I share? I, I shared early in the show when we started before the splash. Watching the uh, Skip Bayless viral video of him throwing away the jersey. Yeah, one the, of the, fake, most the faux outrage. Embarrassing things I'd ever seen. Yeah, it is pretty bad. I just went to the lobby restroom during the commercial break, and I heard a really bad Muzak version of Purple Rain. And it's one of the worst things I've ever heard. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the lobby bathroom has some oh, boy. interesting <laughs> covers of popular oh, songs. Oh, boy. Soothing, song, soothing versions of popular songs. It was soothing. Uh, kind of, but man, was it bad. Wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, the the window miraculously still open for Sean Payton. Yeah, and yeah. and so again, I just don't understand. If there wasn't a level of seriousness to this, I don't know why the Cardinals would be going back down that road because they'd effectively um, shut that narrative down. 
I mean, and again, nothing against Dan Quinn. Now, well, you and I have had conversations yes. here, and he's he's a guy that's had the job. He had it for a big chunk of time in Atlanta. He had Atlanta in the Super Bowl, and I believe the playoffs the following year. Yes. It, all, it all got away from him after that. But but he's one of these guys that everywhere he rolls as a defensive coordinator, people begin to rave about him, and it's happened in Dallas. And and what I said to Todd Archer, the Dallas reporter we just talked to, is very true. When you get a when you get an offensive coordinator or a de- defensive coordinator so valued by the fan base that they want the the team to hire him and promote him to head coach so they don't lose him. I saw that in Buddy Ryan in Chicago. Then you know you've got somebody who's really really good. And then and Dan Quinn is getting those kind of reviews. Brian Flores, uniquely suited to this game, showed inklings of being an impact head coach. But you know it it's so I, I I'm I could be talked into either of those two. I know there's a lot of uh, a lot of glow around D'Amico Ryan's right now, and and I I, I I think I see why. But at the same time, dude, I'm telling you, you cannot miss with it with an unproven dude who gets in here and doesn't know what he's doing. Not this time. Too no. much, too much on the line with the quarterback and his contract and all that. I agree with you. Um, I, I think experience should be near the top of the list of requirements for for this particular job. One more point on Dan Quinn, and we just did talk to Todd Archer, who covers the Cowboys for ESPN dot com, and talked about you know the improvement in the Dallas defense over the last two years with Dan Quinn as the coordinator. It's impossible to ignore the fact that that also coincides with them drafting Micah Parsons twelfth overall. And Micah Parsons was kind of, and I remember this in the process, kind of a, a, a divisive uh, figure in that draft class. And, you know, a lot of teams liked his talent. They wondered about his, his attitude. Became a question mark at Penn State. He's been phenomenal in the NFL. He's one of the best defensive players in the game. Oh, but yeah. yeah. Also, you, you wonder, like, one of the big charges, whoever this coach is, defensive, defensively for the Cardinals, whoever comes in, getting the most out of Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is a guy who's floated around basically now for three years in this defense. And, you know, we've heard this story so many times in years past with the Cardinals. Can you maximize what these guys do well? Could Dan Quinn maybe turn Isaiah Simmons into a Micah Parsons type player? I mean, the talent is there. There's Mm -hmm. similar size there, similar speed. A lot of people are advocating for Isaiah Simmons just to be an edge rusher, uh, something that they desperately need. He's, like I said, he's played several different positions and that. Swiss Army knife thing that was a strength coming into the draft has kind of become a detriment in, at this point in his career. I yeah. wonder if that's possible. Uh, and again, I and again, I don't think it's like Isaiah Simmons is a total bust. But you're right. I think that if 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 he were very high in the priority list as well, I think yeah, Dan Quinn's a good guy for that. Yeah. Again, the more and more you talk about Dan Quinn, the more and more you go, yeah, that that might have that might actually work really really well here. But again, it's there. There's the Kyler Murray thing that is very very important in all of this. Yes. That has to get fixed. Yeah, and the Sean Payton thing is. Yeah. Uh, very interesting now as we enter the third week of this search. Another thing I like about Dan Quinn is initials, DQ. Uh, Jared, how do you feel about Dairy Queen? Oh, oh my God. Heather Burgers, Jared? Do you like chocolate dipped soft serve? A Heath Bar Blizzard and a Brazier Burger? Brazier? No, it's Brazier. Brazier Brazier Burger? Uh, Those are different kinds of I like what I like. Boy, thanks for that, Jared. A Brazier Burger? Okay. Wow. That's going in the montage. That's going in the montage. Dan Quinn, by the way, the only the only head coach in NFL history whose last name begins with a Q. Wow. Okay. Joe Quenville. No, I That's can name like 25 different spo- uh, foods that begin with the letter Q. Oh, oh wait. No, that was Rosie Perez. <laughs> what is it? Quince. 
What is a quiche? Uh, coming up next, we'll get into some NFL hash marks and the legend continuing to grow. What legend is that? Of course. The Brazier Burger the legend. The legend of the Brazier. <laughs> no, Brock Purdy. We'll get into that and more next. It's Pickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. Any game really in the NFL, you can't afford to, you know, be throwing the ball up or, you know, fumbling or anything like that, obviously. But um, when so much is on the line, you know, everyone's going to be playing their best football. Every drive and every moment matters. So, you know, Greasy and Kyle have done a great job with, you know, telling me that with my decisions and everything. And I know that we got one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the league. So um, I just got to do my part. If we don't, if we have to punt, it's okay. Their defense will, you know, get a stop. We got trust and faith in them. And we'll pick up and go put points up on the board after that so but yeah it's playoff football we can't afford big mistakes Brock Purdy quarterback San Francisco 49ers continues to have the zero in his loss column as a starting quarterback and the last two wins coming in uh, playoff scenarios beating the Cowboys and Brock Purdy talking about hey it's okay to punt just don't make mistakes let your defense win for you he subscribed to that but he's also had playmaking ability didn't see it as much against the Cowboys but what a story this is turning out to be. Uh, this is storybook stuff. The last guy drafted in uh, an entire draft class. We were talking before the show, and you asked the question, why did the 49ers even expend that pick on, yeah. Brock, on Brock Purdy? Right. I, it, it, it really it, it bears examination. Was it a throwaway deal? Was it, okay, listen, man, we've got, we've got lunch at the Stinking Onion here in 15 minutes. Let's just get somebody get out of here. Did they go, hey, you know, this is, this is not a bad guy to bring in here. Did you see this guy ball out at Iowa State? Did you see that bowl game or they played against Jalen Hurts? You know, you know, so I don't know what it is. But man, what a break for that organization. I said this earlier. One of the things that, that if you're a Cardinal fan that should have you appropriately freaked out is that the, the San Francisco 49ers have reached successive NFC championship games with different quarterbacks in successive years. Mm-hmm. That is a program to be feared. And neither one of them was the quarterback that they wanted that intended, to be in there. Right. How about that? <laughs> uh, another wrinkle to the story is, hey, we're, we're in Arizona, so you know we, we know the story of Brock Purdy. It was a guy who was a, a prep legend at, at Perry High School in Gilbert. Really good player. Had lukewarm recruiting interest until late in the process. A lot of people are pointing at, hey, why didn't ASU want him? Uh, late in the process, Alabama gave a call. Oh, yeah, this is great. Nick Saban, uh, the head coach of Alabama at that time, and Brock Purdy apparently uh, shared what Nick Saban said to him when he visited Alabama late in that recruiting process. You're below average in height. Your arm strength is whatever. Your accuracy, accuracy is average. <laughs> All righty then. Well, at least, you, at least you can't accuse Nick Saban of blowing smoke. You're five foot nothing. You're a hundred and nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's like that scene from Rudy. Your arm strength is whatever? <laughs> Man. Thanks for having me out, yeah. I guess. Wow. I love Tuscaloosa this time of the year. But you know what? It's stuff like this. I'm going to Iowa State, by the way. Again, you talk about perceived snubs and insults and things that drive people. I mean, from Tom Brady to Walter Payton, uh, these dudes who, who, who get laughed at and mocked by big-time programs then go elsewhere. Sometimes it, it spawns something in them that is so powerful, it, it, it you know... 
it ends up taking over the NFL. Yeah. I don't know. It's the Brock Purdy thing is is I think there was a time when we were all waiting. Okay, is what is this all about? Is this actually a joke? Brock Purdy, his numbers in clutch situations have been phenomenal. Uh, 49ers people are they're, they're raving about how great he is at end of half running the offense, the two minute drills, the uh-huh. end of first half. They've produced twenty eight points, I believe, in the last four games in the last two minutes of the half, and so it's so. It, 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 Kyle Shanahan's got a guy that is comp- that is running this offense at a very high level. Yes, and he's about to start a conference championship game Oof. against the Philadelphia Eagles. They're going on the road against the top seed. The Eagles, very impressive in their win against the Giants. Brock Purdy becomes only the fifth rookie ever to start a conference championship game. The other four, Sean King, Ben Roethlisberger, Joe Flacco, Mark Sanchez. You know what they all have in common? They all got their backsides handed to them. They all lost yeah, in those conference championship games, um, including Sean King. Remember that game, eleven to six? They lost to the Rams. I do remember that. <laughs> that was such an ugly game. Yeah. Uh, so this is uh, this is this is going to be interesting to me because when you look at the Super Bowl in Glendale, I, I really believe that Brock Purdy, at least locally, is changing the way we look at the 49ers. I think that if Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance were quarterbacking this team, I think we'd be looking at them like ew. Like we look at the Seahawks, like we look at the Rams. I think the Brock Purdy thing changes things for us locally in terms of what might be the ideal Super Bowl matchup. The 49ers being in the Super Bowl in Arizona is not such a repulsive option. No. I mean, again, this is for people who who take pride in the evolution of of our market, engage it not through championships, but in in the rise of our high school sports scene and in the rise of of local kids who who make an impact on the professional level. Uh, Brock Purdy winning a Super Bowl would be no different than Austin Matthews, you know, leading the NHL in goals or winning being in the MVP debate. Totally. Notice you it's didn't say anything thing. about the Stanley Cup. Is that because he plays for Toronto? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you caught that. Busted. Yeah, why wouldn't the Valley embrace this? I, I, again, this is just something that is, but yeah, you don't get this very, right, you don't get this very often. No, it's a it's a cool story, and it's got a, a chance to be a great story if uh, if they can get it who's done on, on Sunday. Who's on that list again of rookies who've charted to start a championship game? Sean John Flacco, Sean King, Joe, Joe Flacco, Ben Roethlisberger, and Mark Sanchez. Okay, all right, the Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are those? Good. What do all those teams have in common? Is they were great defenses, good running games, where the quarterback only had to manage things. It's true. Uh, another story going on in the NFL. Stephon Diggs was caught on the sidelines by cameras during the uh, tail end of the Bills' playoff loss to Cincinnati, voicing some frustration uh, and displaying some frustration with Josh Allen. It was a frustrating day all uh, all around for the Buffalo Bills. Mm. Diggs went on social media afterwards and says, Hey, uh, you want me to be okay with our level of play when it's not up to the standard? Nah. You want me to be okay with losing? No. Um, I get it. Uh, Stephon Diggs did irk some people by not talking to the media after the game. Josh Allen handled it pretty class uh, in, in a classy way after the game. Said, yeah. uh, "Hey, we want we, we tried to get him the ball. We couldn't get him the ball. It, it, it is what it is. We lost the game." Um, but what I can't get over is the other side of that. Eli Apple, who many people have identified as the Patrick Beverly of the NFL, oh, that's a good, point. and I think that is a great description. His nonstop trolling of people, 
When Eli Apple stops talking, it'll be the first time he stops talking. For I, such a marginal player, man, well, he I, talks a yeah, lot. Yeah, listen, I think I think that was definitely true last year. I think he did a lot of talking last year when his game wasn't all that. I think he's uh, he's had a much better year this year than he had last year. So I think some of the talking is a little more warranted. But I like the Pat Beth comparison. Yeah, he won't let it go. He's basically offering up couples therapy for Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Mm-hmm. But again, you know what? If I were Eli Apple and the Bengals, I'm not sure I wouldn't troll the Bills on that because again, this is that's the first real sign of uh, crack to me, and it might just be temporary, and it might just be the disappointment you're talking about because the Bills have been knocking at the door and and banging their head against the wall now for a few years now, and you you know how frustrating that can be. We did that with Steve Nash, Uh, but this is the first kind of chemistry crack we've seen in Buffalo. Crack. Yeah, that's a good point. Do you do you minimize that with the you know the revelation about Josh Allen and, and the elbow being screwed up to, I, to I just, the degree it was? I, Stephon Diggs demanded out of Minnesota because he didn't like Kirk Cousins, and he ended up, and he ended up getting out, and now he's got Josh Allen, and now Josh Allen isn't good enough. Uh, I thought Tony Romo handed that that particular incident very very well. They showed Stephon Diggs coming over, hands up, like it was very much like DeAndre Hopkins. Hey, one, what are you looking at? Yeah. What do you say? What, why ain't you seeing me, one? Mm-hmm. Right? And, and and Tony Romo's like, yeah, yeah, he was open, but at that point in time, Josh Allen's eyes had already gone from here to here, and that's the thing about these moments in time of of catching offenses against defenses. These are split seconds. Even Jarrett looks good in a split second picture. So things can happen weird Wait, out of the norm. <laughs> when does that happen? I need right. to get Snapchat or something. Something where the picture yeah, disappears quickly Snapchat after. Face. Something with heavy filters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> heavy filters. Yeah, all right. A um, couple of those filters I actually even look good in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, snap face. Yeah, snap face. Snap face. So, snap face. So to me, I, I think that you got to be real careful that wide receivers will wear you out telling you how open they are. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, they're, always, they're always open. Yeah, they're always open. Uh, with the damn ball. We're th- uh, less than three weeks away from Super Bowl 57, and Bud Light FanDuel and Arizona Sports want you to be there in person. Text the word SUPER to 620-620. That'll get you registered. Then you got to listen for your name starting February 6th, and you can score a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl, plus tickets to the FanDuel party, Bud Light Music Fest, and Super Bowl experience. Once again, text SUPER to 620-620. It's all access. Presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. Coming up next, Yotes looking for another win tonight. Night uh, against the Anaheim Ducks. We'll have our weekly visit with Shane Doan, Coyotes Chief Hockey Development Officer. Next, it's Pickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Instant shot. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Don't score! Shane Doan. Shane Doan got a piece of it. I think this goal is going to go to the captain. Captain Coyote. Shane Doan sends a one-hopper on that. He scores! The captain. Coyotes legend Shane Doan. Up early to talk Coyotes hockey with Bickley and Murata. Shot by Shane Doan. He scores! Every Tuesday we talk hockey and whatever comes up in the conversation with the one and only Shane Doan, Coyote's Chief Hockey Development Officer, who joins us now on the Arizona Sports Line. Donor, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Vinny. How are you doing? Good. Uh, look at this. You, you, the Coyotes bust out another jersey. Clayton Keller goes nuts, scores another hat trick. Everything, everything. <laughs> we're talking to you after a win, going into an opportunity for back-to-back wins. Uh, what I, I wanted to ask you, uh, uh, Clayton Keller's two hat tricks this year, 
18 goals. We've talked uh, for years about his goal-scoring potential. Are we starting to see, in your mind, uh, Shane, like Clayton Keller developing into a, a top-shelf goal scorer in this league? Yeah, last night or last game, that was yeah, that was something that you could tell right away. And, and I think he's finally getting back. The, the injury he suffered last year, when you talk to people that saw the injury and the doctors and the surgeons, it was like a car accident. The way that how bad that break was in its in its femur, and I think it takes watching him skate this summer, he was battling hard to get back to where he had that same kind of pop in the step. And uh, he's been get, he's been good for us all year, but you can see his confidence coming back, it seems, with every game. And at the beginning of that game, we were watching the game and we were talking, like, he's he's feeling it tonight. Like, and obviously you don't expect him to get three, but uh, you knew he was going to have a good game. All right, as Vinny mentioned, what do you think of the new jersey, Shane? Because I tell you what, Stanley Cups might be in short supply around here, but new cool jerseys sure are, or as they say in the NHL, sweaters. sweaters. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that that was. They, I thought it was a pretty cool jersey. I like the, I like the copper one, and I really like this the the kind of I guess burgundy one. Um, I thought it was sometimes simple is better, and uh, I thought it looked really good. And the guys liked it, and they got a they got a whole campaign around it that they're really pushing, and it looks good. All right, what's the worst jersey you wore? During your Coyotes uh, career, the Flying Fox was a tough one. Like the that was a tough one. I, I didn't mind that one. I know you I'm in the mi- I one? know I'm in the minority, but yeah, it, it yeah. yeah, it did look like a fox. You're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But you so wore that, you wore the, the the green Kachina ones back in the day. See, I thought yes, which, I, I thought that were, those it, were awful, donor. Yeah, you know what? Those were bad, but so the original Katina had like doubled up on the arms, doubled up on the waist, like around the the bottom of the waist, mm-hmm. doubled up on the shoulders, and then it had this heavy crest. And if you by the end of the game, it was so heavy the sweater like you couldn't pick up a bag of them and carry them. It took like two right? people to carry them out of the room. <laughs> I so think I think people would be surprised. The green one, yeah. it was nice. I think people would be surprised if they did know just how s- sturdy and thick those those sweaters jerseys happen to be in the NHL. Oh, oh yeah, and those ones were doubled up on the collar. So if you got into a fight, you would get like a jersey burn. It was like this <laughs> thick sandpaper that would give you a jersey burn around your neck that was so bad that like all of my dress shirts when we wore those originally would have blood stains on them because you once you get like a jersey burn it becomes like a hard crusty scab which is gross Ugh. and then for the next like two weeks it just cracks and bleeds it was annoying but other than that they look good so Hard, crusty scab. Terrible name for oh, a band. Oh, yeah, I like that. I like that. All right, since we're a little it's bit not, outside the it's box. not as good as Burger, but it's No, I'm good. glad you heard that. <laughs> Talk about a Freudian B-R-A-Z-I-E-R. Talk about a Freudian slip there, huh? <laughs> a Brazier oh, Burger. Way to yeah. go, Jared. Way to go, Jared. All right, I, this, is, this is also from left field because I was reading something about the, uh, the latest outdoor game they had in Minneapolis, and it was so cold that the water bottles, they actually put chicken broth in the water bottles it was that cold outside um what what's what's the latest on bringing an outdoor game to the valley because as you know shane i think it'd be a great idea to do it at the base of the grand canyon have the mules bring all the equipment down (laughs) i think it'd be fabulous 
Well, I think that's an incredible idea. Stan and our and our equipment staff might kill us for doing it, but I think it's a great idea. <laughs> Just lower everything down. Wouldn't it be great? Be, yeah. You would not have you a, do a. Go ahead, Shane. You got to do a rim to rim before you actually do it. You have right. to go back and forth. And yeah. the whole part. Yeah, that'd be kind of that. cool. That's, that'd be great. Yeah. I'm glad you like yeah. it. It's good. Shane Doan, our guest every Tuesday here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. I wanted to ask you about this, too, because. Vic and I were talking about it. The, the Capitals were in town. Uh, they came to town to Mullet Arena for the first time, and Alex Ovechkin shows no signs of slowing down. 30 goals already this year. It's just a matter of time before he passes Wayne Gretzky. And I started thinking about it. The all-time career goal-scoring leader has never not been a Canadian in the history of the National Hockey League. For somebody as a pr- you know a proud, can- it's always been a Canadian going back. You know, I mean, Gretzky, Gordie Howe, and then even predating those guys, it's always been a Canadian okay. who's who's led uh, in that category. What what does it mean to a proud Canadian to see somebody from you know a different country uh, being the all time goal scoring king potentially in the NHL? Uh, you know what I think with the, with Ovi the way that he. he- he is. Everyone just loves that guy. Like all the players love him. I think that if there was, there's obviously going to be Canadians that uh, will will not maybe find that as appealing as others. It's going to be tough still. Like, and I, I, I agree. I think he does it. My son and I had a bet, and I can't believe I'm going to lose it. Um, but we had a bet that he. I didn't think he would get there. He thought he would. He loves the, the Capitals. He loves Backstrom. And, um, but what Ovi's doing, it's it's whether he gets there or not. He is the greatest goal scorer by a country mile in the history of our game. Uh, it's unbelievable that a guy in a in an era where they're really like, – people don't get 50 goals that often. I think there was two guys last year. Previous years, there wasn't anybody for a few years other than Ovi who continues to do it. Um, it's just incredible what he's doing. And it's his joy for the game is just contagious, and it's impossible not to be excited about what he can do, even though I'm the biggest Oilers and Wayne Gretzky fan, and he did it when he was in Oilers and uh, with the Oilers, and I love that. Yeah, and he's also he's also kind of got that roguish kind of uh, image, right? You know, the 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 hard drinking, hard playing kind of dude. <laughs> yeah, I think he just wrapped up his uh, his, his Stanley his, Cup his Stanley celebration. Cup ender. <laughs> yeah, might have just ended. A few years old. Just sobered right, up. Real quickly, Donor, before we get going, trade deadline in the NHL approaching is how significant do you think that's going to be locally here? Oh, you know what? We have some pieces that um, have been, you know, are definitely on the people have asked about and that are looking at. And uh, I think that, you know, Bill and the the staff are going to do their best to to kind of put us in the right spot and make it for going forward. Um, obviously, there's been all kinds of talk about Chick and, and that whole situation. As he, he'd asked for one earlier. Um, I think that the the willingness for us to, you know, take on new assets and get some assets for him would be would be exciting. At the same time, he's been good for us, and it's going to have to be a good deal. And it's going to have to work for both ways. But there's definitely going to be probably some talk. Yeah, there always is. Yeah, donor. Thanks as always for the uh, time. We'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Have a great week. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Uh, Shane Don't Coyotes Chief Hockey Development Officer, our guest every Tuesday here on uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings. I uh, want to remind you that the four-time Super Bowl champion and NFL legend Rob Gronkowski is bringing Gronk Beach to Talking Stick Resort. On February 11th, Gronk will bring his famous 
<laughs> infamous end zone dance uh, and be joined by hip hop stars 21 Savage, Lil John, and many more. Head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for your chance to win tickets and complete now, event details. Now that's that's the party of the night before the Super Bowl, right? Uh, yeah, February, I believe it is. I believe you're right. I believe it is. I believe that's one of the ones you want. I think I think a young Snoop Dogg is going to be there, right? Oh, I I don't even know. Come on, man. He's not in the read, so I don't. Well, you know what? <laughs> I, then again, he he would be in the read if he were there. So I'm I I have to be the one who's wrong on yeah. that. Yeah, he looks like a young Snoop Dogg. All I know is I got to hit the tanning bed before <laughs> yeah. Gronk Beach gets to town. That's right. <laughs> Start those kegs, Vinny. Yes, that too. Uh, coming up next, tough weekend for the Arizona State Sun Devils, but we will talk to their head coach Bobby Hurley straight ahead. Pickley Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. This is the Sun Devil Fast Break with ASU men's head basketball coach Bobby Hurley. The Sun Devil Fast Break is presented by Arizona Ford Dealers. Yeah, Sun Devils had one four in a row. Tough weekend last weekend as they get swept by the L.A. schools at home, UCLA, on Thursday. And then USC comes in and beats the uh, Devils on Saturday. Road trip to the Washington schools. Uh, two teams that ASU swept earlier in the year. Here to talk about all of it with us is the Arizona State head coach, Bobby Hurley, who joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Bobby, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. Good to be with you. Uh, I know it was a frustrating weekend, and I know oh. you had some comments after the USC game with the way that game ended on a 16 nothing run by you guys, but about maximizing uh, the players on the floor who want to give it their all at all times. Um, d- does that lead maybe to some rotation changes? How do you handle that moving forward, Bobby? Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll take a look at some things in practice over the next couple of days. Uh, but, I, I mean, for me, there's there's no reason to panic. Um, you know, the building isn't on fire right now, uh, so no reason to run out the doors. Um, you know, I had some setbacks for sure. Um, you know, losing games at home, you can't afford to in our league if you want to compete in the, in the top tier. So uh, that's still our goal. You know, we're we're down two games in the loss column now. We got to go figure out how to how to get some wins that maybe when you look at our schedule, people people wouldn't anticipate us getting. Uh, so that's the position we put ourselves in by you know not being able to to hold court at home this week. Yeah, no doubt about it. And that UCLA game, the vibe in the arena was so great, and you guys were sitting there. I believe at sixty. 58, and it looked like everything was right there in front of you. Never since it kind of hasn't been the same. Um, I, I know the defense against USC probably wasn't what you expect. How do you now turn the page as well as you turn the page after that lost Arizona on New Year's Eve? Yeah, I mean, how we've guarded all year has been our, our identity. It's the reason we had we had a great record coming into this week, and we're still fifteen and five. But we got to get back to to playing that end of the floor, uh, how we're capable of, and we did it for about thirty four minutes versus UCLA. And uh, you know, uh, you, you started to see some leaks at the end of that game. We just didn't get stops. Uh, you know, Tiger Campbell took over. Uh, you know, we didn't pay attention to our scouting. We allowed a guy, David Singleton, who's you know really outstanding three-point shooter in our conference and we allowed him to be open several times so that's just uh, you know it's unacceptable if you, you think you have a chance to, to beat a team like UCLA and then that same effort in the last six minutes of that game carried into the first 36 minutes of the USC game I thought the only time we we gave the appropriate effort on the defensive end was in the last four minutes when we were down 20 points and we managed to cut it to eight at the very end so got to get back to the draw board on that end of the floor. 
How much optimism do you take from that end against USC, though? I know you're down 24, you got to within eight, and yeah, I, I mean, there, there was a lot of maximum effort. You forced a lot of turnovers. How, how much can you cash that in moving forward uh, when it was such a small part of the game, Bobby? Yeah, I mean, I think we've uh, we've been more of a defensive team that could just sit down in a half and get stops and you know and take things away and contest shots and take care of the paint. We didn't do a good job at all of that versus USC. That was a priority to win the paint, and they uh, they were getting the ball uh, inside to their bigs. They were getting offensive rebound putbacks. They were driving us to the lane. You know, we had a breakdown to start the second half with Drew Peterson mm-hmm. just driving the ball for an uncontested layup to start a half. I mean, you can't. Do that Tiger Campbell did the same thing in the prior game, and we didn't learn from it. So it's getting back to our principles, and then sporadically, I think we could turn the heat up from a pressure standpoint, like we did in the last four minutes of USC. But it's got to be a collective mindset, and it just wasn't there on Saturday. Yeah, and and I think maybe in a previous generation, you probably would have played for coaches who might have you know run you guys ragged in the gym, try to teach some hard lessons. I'm not sure that level of coaching or that brand of coaching. Um, really is applicable or even is well-received this day and age. Um, how do you get guys' attention with a new generation of, of athletes? Well, I mean, I struggled with that very same question. Uh, in my early days, it, it could have been scorched earth yesterday, you know, <laughs> and uh, just... You know, the film sessions, the, you know, a grueling, you know, track style practice, but, uh, chose to go in a different direction. These guys have been really good to me through the whole body of the season and they've been about the right things. We, uh, certainly didn't do what we needed to do this weekend, but, uh, you know, you got to go about it differently. And that's, uh, I chose a different path and hopefully we can just refocus, kind of reset and, uh, get ready to hit the road here this week. Bobby Hurley, the head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Morning. If there was a bright spot, at least from from my perspective in the USC game, it was the play, the energy level, the activity from from Warren Washington. Can you talk about what what he and I know he had some strong comments about how he felt that the team performed after that game. Can you talk about what you got from Warren in, in that game? Yeah, I mean, I just like that Warren kind of uh, embodied what I was discussing, just playing with some desperation, playing really hard. He uh, he never gave in. Uh, never played the scoreboard, kept competing, uh, you know, and, and, you know, if we had everyone playing at that level, just from an energy standpoint, I think we, we, we potentially could have had better results. So it's nice to have an old, an older guy like Warren that's been very productive, that guys respect, um, that's older and, uh, has been through a lot of these games. So I think he understands what it takes, uh, to play winning basketball. And, uh, you know, hopefully the guys will, uh, will follow his lead. Going out on the road this week, you get uh, Washington and Seattle Thursday, then the trip to Pullman on Saturday against Washington State. You've, you've seen those two teams recently. Uh, and recent success for you guys in Pac-12 road games, 6-1 and one in your last seven. Are you of the belief, Bobby, that uh, a road trip can kind of refocus everybody after a disappointing weekend like you just had? I mean, it's good in a sense because you're, you're traveling together, you're in the hotels, you have opportunities to do, you know, to do meetings and have team meals. So there's more of a chance to kind of galvanize the group, bring the group together. So I'm hoping that, uh, again, guys are, uh, are really upset about what happens, uh, missed opportunities, um, and, and are prepared to do something about it. And, uh, you know, we're playing a Washington team that was able to win a Colorado last week and, uh, split in the mountains and 
got Keon Brooks, one of the best combo forwards in, in our conference, and they play that obviously unique uh, Syracuse style zone. And, yeah. and Washington State's one of you know one of the best three point shooting teams in our league. So uh, each team will present you know unique challenges. Well, Bobby, as always, good to talk to you. Best of luck in uh, Washington this week. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bobby Hurley, the head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils. Our guest, uh, it, remember we talked to Bobby after the, the San Francisco game, and uh, you know he was not pleased with, with the effort given on the defensive side of the ball. No. And that was an opportunity for them to kind of refocus, and they yeah. had to slip up against uh, Arizona. But they bounced back nicely, won four straight, and they got to do that uh, again. On Saturday, I'm alternately watching uh, ASU struggle and play poorly against USC. The bench was basically non-existent and then I'm down in Tucson you watch Arizona smoking UCLA and I just came, I'm, I came to the conclusion that nothing is ever going to come easy for that man nothing is going to come easy for Bobby Hurley no you're going to have to crash through that wall yeah to get where you're going UCLA got they made that game they made a little bit uncomfortable know, at, the, know, at the end know, but and I, I have to say it did not feel like a smoking even well, though it was okay, a, both a double and, and again, you were you were there and <laughs> I, I was I was in I was, the building. In, I was in and out so you're yeah. right so that's probably not a fair characterization it, it was but, a double digit lead in the second half most of it it never felt like a double digit lead it was like gotcha. oh they're going to turn okay. it on at any gotcha. point but it was gotcha. I mean flip side it was a good bounce back weekend for Arizona that's, taking yeah, care of those right, two for sure and the clock is ticking on UCLA and USC. Would you leave already? Would you just get out? <laughs> Bye. Just get out. Bye. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up, we'll hit the 9 o'clock hour with some social studies. Sarah Gazelle will take us through it. It's Big Lamarada Mornings, live from the Akchin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.